Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Brianna Jones. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew and Brie to like musical theater. And Andrew, we have a returning special guest. I feel like we have a lot of returning special guests, Jess. This would better be really special. <laughs> I mean, this is really special. It's been a while since she's been on, and I've missed her so much. Um, please welcome back musical theater historian and host of Stealing Focus, an all-around amazing human being, Emily Clark! Yay! Yay! Oh, my God! <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yay! Happy Pride! Happy Pride. Yeah, yeah. We were actually Happy saying Pride, that at the start of this instead of like at the end because we forgot in the last episode. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We forgot to say it in the last episode and then we did The Lion King where you just made a dumb joke about it. My I, goodness. Oh, scheduling no. was the worst Pride Month ever. Pride is, there should be a Pride Rock, but like a gay Pride Rock or LGBTQ Pride Rock. I mean, make Simba it. Go do it. Already <laughs> rocks, okay? Simba was raised by three dads. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. So there, there's some, there's some implication. I'm willing yeah. to say that's like uh, three chill. dads and one mom. Come on. Falsettos <laughs> had that same situation. So how about it's Modern Family, baby? It takes a village. <laughs> <laughs> it does. We don't need families anymore. I'm a done. We're done with it. It's a family you issues. <clears throat> you know what? Um, I'm really mad. In fact, um, Emily, maybe you could help us out with this. Um, <laughs> we're, we're we're having a little bit of a situation here at Musicals with Cheese, and I don't oh, like okay. it. Um, so Bree is bringing her boyfriend into town, and he, super conservative, like one of the worst people in the world, is her boyfriend's father, and I don't like. Yeah, that I thought all. you were gonna say her boyfriend. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. Her boyfriend. Like, she's dating she's right Rush Limbaugh's corpse. <laughs> <laughs> the father of Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those conservative family members, you gotta love them. And Andrew's like telling me that we gotta act like we aren't podcast hosts while they're around. And I don't wanna be what I'm not. Why would you have to not act like your podcast host? I don't know. They hate podcasts because that much because they took radio away from Rush Limbaugh. Are embarrassing. 
Nah. <laughs> no, the way to do it is because this is a crock because a lot of normies across the board like like the mainstream musical stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. might be able to relate it to things like what are the wicked. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people have like, I, I went to see Wicked when it was in town or the Hamilton. They probably won't like Hamilton, but you know what I mean? Like, um, well, rap isn't music. I mean, no, yeah. <laughs> I have pretty liberal relatives who who say that. And I'm like, you guys, you got to stop. But um, they ain't really liberals. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they'll care. I don't know if they'll care. Be yourself. But I think uh, if you have to deal with them, you could always be like the music man is a really good show. I really like that show and they'll probably agree with you and you wouldn't have to lie about that because um, you do sure. like that show. <laughs> so you're saying I sh- we shouldn't just lie Be and yourself. have a whole bunch of slapstick. Um, I'm inf- not, yeah, a whole bunch of farce, right? <laughs> uh, storytelling farce where we're all lying to each other and no. I have to And then come- at the end we have them on our no, podcast but to you talk s- about. But however, <laughs> however, you should be in drag. That's yes. just a given. This metaphor has stretched itself far enough. We're talking about Lacanjo Full! Hey! Cue the music <laughs> free! It's my world that I want to have a little pride in. My world, and it's not a place I have to hide in life. Not worth a down till you can say, Hey, what I am, what I am. So, La Caja Fall is a musical with music, lyrics by Jerry Herman, and a book by Harvey Firestein based on La Caja Fall by Jean Paré. It premiered on Broadway at the Palace Theater August 21st, 1983. It ran for four years and 1,761 performances, closing on November 15, 1987. It received nine Tony Award nominations, winning a total of six, including Best Musical, Best Original Score, and Best Book of a Musical. The show beat several strong competitors in many categories, including Stephen Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George. Mm-hmm. It also won three Drama Desk Awards, but... Uh, that, I mean, <laughs> George won the Pulitzer, which I guess is fine enough, but... Come on. Um... This the plot of this musical. This one is, deserved it. Shut up. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, the plot of this is based on the French play of the same name. It's the birdcage. It's just the birdcage. It, it's, it's it's a story of a flamboyant gay couple <laughs> who must pretend to be a straight for one night <laughs> with one of the men in drag to dupe the conservative political family of the their son's fiance. Ensue. Funny you should the mention the birdcage because um I, I this is actually a big blind spot as far as like my musical theater history is concerned I'm, I'm not a jerry herman guy i've never been a jerry herman guy so i've kind of like you mean lacages yeah lacage <laughs> but i watched the birdcage just before oh, yeah. i watched lacage mm-hmm. um and i was really like shocked at how kind of gross the birdcage is as a film um and its form of representation in it spends equal amount of time humanizing the conservative Republicans as it does humanizing our good gay characters that are just nice human beings. Like, they're trying to give them an equal say. And I was like, ugh. And this is in the 90s, and there's, like, so many stereotypes. Enlightened centrist. You guys, I, I'm sorry. I can't agree with you. The Birdcage is one of my favorite films. I think the only way to make it work, because all... 
Also, that conservative shit was very different at the time. It's not great. Oh, I agree. But, like, it's so different at the time. And, like, I know, I mean, it's like how I know people who maybe lived through it who were LGBTQ at the time, just like with Rent, they see it as a huge step forward in representation. Um, And it's endlessly quotable. I can quote every single line from that movie, and it's hilarious. And fun fact, all the songs in it are cut Sondheim Sondheim songs, which is interesting when you compare it to the rivalry between Herman and Sondheim, especially this year. Exactly. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that I went in there and I was shocked. They're like, the birdcage is fine. Elaine May writes a good script. Um, and Mike Nichols is a good director. Like, all of that is fine. But then I watch Lacage expecting it to be like a worse version of that. And then I watch it and we don't even introduce the conservatives at all until like the third act of the story. And I'm like, we're just focusing on like hanging out with these awesome gay characters the entire time. And we don't have, like, the weird Florida stereotypes of, like, all that. So I'm like, this is a better version of that. And I love Robin Williams, and I love Nathan Lane, but I'm into this much more. Yeah, I mean, you can like whatever you like. I mean, like, it's just a different take on it. Like, oh, the it Lacage is. has to strip it down even more be just because of the nature of it being on a stage, you mm-hmm. know? So there's different things they have to focus on. But, you know, there's ways, there's stuff that... Um, a French play and a French Italian film could get away with as far back as, you know, well before, you know, their, their whole uh, cinema scene is just very different than ours. And it always has been. Have you seen the uh, French Italian film? I saw it way back, way back in the day. And, um, it's great. I mean, it's 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 shenanigans galore, and it's. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I grew up with the Birdcage, so like that's just in my brain and my DNA. Right. So when I read, when I look at Lacage, the film and all this stuff, I just am able to go. That's this beat. That's that beat. And, <laughs> da, 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 da. and they're all consistent. It kind of just shows one of those rare stories that can work in kind of across various mediums. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just like this one better because I get to say Lacage full. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. People think I'm fancy. It's pretty (laughs) fancy, yeah. But Andrew, you just watched this for the first time like two days ago. What did you think as someone that's just discovering this now? It's really fun. There's a lot of dancing and a lot of dancing. (laughs) They don't do very much else. That's Jerry Herman Uh, for you. I think they just, they wanted to put a drag show on Broadway and this was as close as they could get. That's not too far off from what I gather with Harvey Firestein <laughs> and how he was brought in and all that. Well, I, I, I actually have a little, I did, I, I got my books out and I, I did a Ooh. little, I did a little history lesson on myself. Um, Let's and, go. Um, well, the production team was um, Firestein, Herman, and Arthur Lawrence. Mm. And Arthur Lawrence, all three of them gay men. And mm-hmm. um, Firestein has been very kind of vocal. Actually, all of them have been very vocal about the fact that, you know, it, he has this quote where he's like, if Broadway is gay men, which a lot of people would argue that it is, you know, it was kind of made on, uh, kind of created by gay men across its entire history, really. Um, you weren't, you didn't see gay characters on stage it's until pa- in passing in the 70s and then with Lacage in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, Lawrence had a um, a career with like kind of being seen as like a, big old communist and was on the blacklist and um you know jerry herman's career had just suffered three flops and he wasn't really anywhere at that point he thought his career was over and um they wanted to create something that 
with a message, but that wasn't like with the message bearing, you know, it's the eighties. Um, so the way they went, which I think is pretty clear, especially when you think about this is 1984. Um, they went with a very standard golden age musical comedy structure. Um, and by going that way, they make this story just a story about like a middle-aged couple going through some shenanigans that are still in love. Yep. And the gay stuff is almost supplemental. And, you know, I rewatched the original Tony Awards of like the original, original one mm-hmm. from the 80s. And, um, you know, the opening number is pure like 1920s. It's Ziegfeld Follies Arms and then tap dancing girls. And then at the end, they take their wigs off. So that's the way to kind of suck the normies in, right? Especially in the mm-hmm. 80s where you have like maybe an older audience, which are like the ones going to theater at the time. Um, uh, you suck them in with that thing. And then it's like, oh, oh my gosh. Like uh, it seems quaint by our standards, but at the time it's this big reveal when, even though they're singing with deep voices, you know, when they take their wigs off. Um, And I think that's the way they suck you in because Jerry Herman is not, um, he's, he's a very specific type of songwriter, isn't he? Like he's very, he's very, you know, that kind of same melody over and over, um, mm-hmm. but that melody is a really good melody. And then by the end of the song, you're all singing it together in the audience and boy, oh boy, does that, it's very effective. It's very effective. And so that's mm-hmm. the way they were able to kind of get their message in is by putting it into this like kind of traditional structure of a show, this really old timey structure. It's just that it's about a gay couple. But let's not yep. forget at that same Tony performance, they wouldn't let George Hearn wear a dress. He had no, to wear no. the suit and tie he on sure stage yeah. to sing I Am What I Am. Yeah, I was curious about that. Um, I'm not quite sure why. I mean, I guess I could I guess I could speculate on the why of the, the because it does. 1984. It's 1984. <laughs> and there is a very blatant uh, message in the song. And um you know, the show at the, was coming out right during the AIDS epidemic, and it was very mm-hmm. much tied. It was in the first Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS performance. Was uh, They were kind of the tentpole performance. So even though they were really successful, like you said, over a thousand performances, they it was still that whole, that whole thing where no one wanted to talk about it um, and no one wanted to go anywhere near it. And um, so that was kind of their way to express that. Because it is such a, I mean, it is, it's unapologetic about itself. It is like when he throws that wig off at the end, he's, it's like a big old middle finger mm-hmm. to everyone. I love it. And yep. it's not like Broadway was, this was a totally foreign thing to Broadway. Um, maybe musical theater, but like a, a few years before that, um, Harvey Firestein won the Tonys for Torch Song and that trilogy and how... Mm-hmm. That, Frank, that show is in and of itself is also part of, part of why he got this, isn't that? I feel correct? like, oh, it definitely is. And I feel like plays, especially at the time, were kind of able mm-hmm. to get away with it a lot more than musicals. I mean, there were there were plays that touched on homosexuality all the way back to like the 30s. Oh, yeah. But like Broadway musicals were a different creature. They're just so commercial and mainstream. And it's just funny how even in the 70s, it didn't really happen. Even when people started getting a little more experimental and like sexual and whatnot, yeah. it, it took yeah. kind of this moment where Jerry Herman was like, Jerry Herman had held onto it for a long time. And he, uh, I think the story is that, Tommy Toon and Maury Yeston were originally going to do it, and then it fell through for them, and then Jerry Herman was able to snatch it up. And um, 
Tommy Toon originally was like, I don't know how you're going to put this on stage, <laughs> you know, because he's obviously, you know, big director, choreographer, and obviously very gay. But um, they were able to do it. And I think it was just by falling back on these really familiar tropes. It's like Hello, Dolly. Um, you know, yeah. um, uh, George Hearn's character, uh, might, Albin might as well be Dolly or Mame. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, he, he's big and loud and like of a certain age and just unapologetic and like the uh, just the audience loves him. So I think that that's yeah. something he does very well. I think I compared it to Hello, Dolly before we started uh, recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, it's similar to that. Yeah. It's a vibe. It, it, Jerry Herman has a vibe to it. Is there a reason why Arthur Lawrence was never the one to? contacted or tapped to do the book writing because he, he's like the one that wrote the best book of a musical ever gypsy yeah i don't know i think he was also really skeptical but i uh, about it but i think it was more that you know herman and firestein managed to find each other and lawrence mm-hmm. also had worked as a director without writing the book right. at times so i think it was just a thing where like tune and yeston fell through and then it was kind of slotting people in and lawrence <laughs> was like i think the story is that like I could be getting this wrong. I think Herman like played him a, a few songs, like maybe even I am what I am. And then Lawrence was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he was very aware of, you know, how he was kind of controversial. Um, so they wanted the message to be, I don't want to say subversive, but like so subtle that uh, in, there, there's a message, but the, the message is that the show exists. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that this this shitty family needs to kind of <laughs> learn to accept, the, you know, this other this other family, and that sometimes you have to marry into really shitty. <laughs> I mean, I don't even I mean, think like the shitty they don't, family. They don't learn to accept them though. No, but like there's I hope think... because the daughter I think is, and it's like hope for like the newer generation. At least if I you want so. the honest thing, I think the son needs to accept his family for who he they are. But which isn't is, that the I lesson? I think the real arc. Yeah, that is. Yeah, the that arc. is the lesson, and yeah. he and, and he, he apologizes the, yeah. and all that. Yeah, which I, is probably why the birdcage messes with me so much because the son doesn't really learn a lesson in that one. He just kind of yeah, that's my dad. Whatever, never apologizes. I think that's part of the reason why I think arc wise this hits me a little harder, and especially because uh, you know Jerry Herman's tunes are pretty good too. Uh, I really don't want to like this musical. Is my other problem because I love Sunday so much, but. Well, here's uh, for me, Sunday is that kind of musical that never wins the Tony for Best Musical, like mm-hmm. never does. And that's not weird to me. Absolutely, the Kaj did and should have won Best Musical, especially in 1984. Mm-hmm. But Best Score still gets me. Best Score is what gets me. It's. <laughs> I don't think it's a better score than Sunday in the Park with George. That's just my opinion. I think it's very good. I think it's very wonderful and a lot of fun. But it is, it you know, Jerry Herman has his style, and Sondheim does too, but Jerry Herman really, the few, and this is the kind of the tragedy of Jerry Herman, I guess, is that the few times he tried to step out of his lane and do something a little darker, like Mac and Mabel or Dear yes. World, it just, tank 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 just didn't work so lacage was different for him but almost going back to a similar formula a formula of songwriting that was popular in the golden age even by the 60s was falling out even though that was when he started hitting you know there's not many musicals in 1984 new musicals in 1984 the 80s in general that kind mm-hmm. of sound like lacage full 
Um, it seems like an older show than it is yeah. to me. Uh, I mean, basically, it feels I think... older music wise and plot wise. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. The themes in it, the themes in it feel very modern. I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, um, the music. If you've heard Mame, you've heard what you can probably get. Like, lit- look at this. This is literally just the artwork from Mame. Just or like Hello Dolly. Like, you hear the best of times is now, and they just sing it. Over and over and over again, which is what they do in Mame, which is what they do in Hello Dolly, is what they do in all those shows. And there's a few other songs in the score that are like that, and it's because by the end of it, you're just like all singing together as an audience. And um, there's there is a power to that. There is something tangible about that um, that is kind of based more on emotion, I think. Um, that is definitely appealing to an audience, especially when you're watching these characters that you really like, um, kind of celebrating themselves. Um, it's it's infectious. Mm-hmm. But I do think a big problem within many of Jerry Herman's musicals is the second half kind of falls. Like you get to that peak and then it's like a really quick parabola down. I don't know if I agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the second act just... they. It, it, it's always just the same formula. It's just like they kind of wrap things up kind of pretty quick. Yeah, um, I mean, there's no court like, case or anything, but... No. I like them bringing in the, the Rush Limbaugh clone, uh, yeah. and then they scold him for being a horrible person or whatever. Yeah. And then they do the big dance at the end, and I mean, come on. So much for it's Tolerant fun. Left. <laughs> it's fun! Dude, the Tolerant Left has never existed. Yeah, you're right. It is fun. <laughs> It is a great, this show is so much fun just in general, and it's just so relaxing. Like, the conflict is so, like, milk thin, like, you're just, like, there's no stress throughout it. Like, the skim of milk. (laughs) Water, I think you're saying water? Milk thin. I love it. (laughs) The conflict is milk thin. (laughs) I'm so fucking tired. I, I mean, again, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, I think another another thing uh, that makes it kind of like that old familiar style of musical, um, because that's kind of what musicals used to uh, musical comedies yeah. used to be. That whole it's not you're not there, you're not really there for the plot. You're there to watch the songs and watch the dancers and kind of see mm-hmm. stuff like that. And not that there's you're not there for the plot, but I think it pulls from that um, kind of tradition. Um, it's it's like audiences at the time would be seeing something incredibly familiar. The only thing that's like weird about it is that the dancing girls are boys and the main couple are both boys. But it's everything else is kind of the same. Obviously, the the uh, right. shenanigans but wouldn't happen a, if they weren't boys, both boys. But like, it's such a strong political statement, though, in 1984 is. to do that. Yeah, but that's their I don't key. Know. But that's their key to make it a, a kind of everything else around uh, this couple, making it traditional, makes it like a good foot in, like them doing the song on the sand, you know, Jerry Herman was really worried about how that would land, you know, when they did their out of town tryouts, mm-hmm. you know, this couple acting kind of openly romantic and it turned out it ended up being universal because a lot of old couples have moments like that together. And so that was the way it transcended. Um, I hate saying like, Oh, it didn't hit you over the head with it, but it didn't like it. It was a subtle um, way to kind of introduce this new normal, 
or this thing that should be it's a new really normal. i think it's really good as political advocacy in that it takes the old formula and it just does this with it and it doesn't hit you over the head with it but it it does hit you somewhat though because they introduce the conservative character at the end as the antithesis as like mm -hmm. you know if you react poorly to this you're this guy <laughs> you know yeah. uh and then and then everybody scolds him and they're like wow what a what a terrible person and it helps uh, it helps that he comes in in the second <laughs> act too because you haven't gotten the time to know him um mm -hmm. so yeah you're it makes it so that he shows up to kind of be a foil to this whole situation yeah mm -hmm. um what where do you sit on jerry herman musicals emily um in general like personally you i mean I, I know what they are. Like, I would never, like, sit there and be like, oh, I just got, mm, I got to listen to some Jerry Herman and just, like, get in my feelings. Like, no, like, I, I, I don't think I really, well, okay, when I was younger, he's great if you're younger. And, like, again, those, those kind of older timeless musicals are great intros to um, kind of the bigger world of musical theater outside of baby's first you, Broadway. Yeah. Like outside of like wicked or the mainstream <laughs> stuff that like your mom would take you to. Um, and so like I did hello Dolly in seventh grade. And so I, I remember listening to it a lot then and I, I really loved it. And uh, you know, I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And then I saw the tour, um, of the revival with Betty Buckley and it was fun to watch it because I was like, yeah, this is, this is funny. Like there's like, there's this some really, yeah, there's some good book moments. There's obviously great songs. I still like Elegance is still like one of my favorite. I think it's such a funny song. Um, but like, I don't, I, I, <laughs> he's not difficult. You don't have to think too hard with Jerry Herman. No. Like, and I think that there's merit to that, to the escapism of it all. Um, and it's not pretentious, like how like maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber escapism might be. Um, I think it's just kind of like good old. Like good old musical theater in a lot of ways. It's cheese. It's the cheese. And it's the cheese. We found it. Yeah, we found <laughs> it. I, Jerry Herman is very cheesy, but I in an in a in a good way. I think I, I like Jerry Herman. I think the musical theater story would be incomplete without him. Um, I, and to kind of write the shows he did, kind of in eras that were post their peak, is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I will say my favorite Jerry Herman is just Mac and Mabel. Like that that's just I love such, Mac and Mabel. Love I love that, one. that musical. Um but then something like Mame never hit with me, but that might also just be because I saw the terrible Lucille Ball movie. Yeah, I mean Mame is Mame is pretty much Hello Dolly, but um I, I, I'm not as into it as I am Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly's probably the one I love the most. Um but I, I yeah, I think Jerry Herman's great. <laughs> But Andrew, I think the only other Jerry yep. Herman you've seen is Hello Dolly. How does this compare to Hello Dolly? I feel like I liked this one better. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's it's, valid. Yeah. I, th I think I had more fun with it, which I don't know. Maybe that says something about me or, or maybe not. Who knows? I feel like you just have more fun. Like, there's a lot of plot cul-de-sacs in Hello Dolly where it's like, let's just hang Hello out here Dolly. for a little bit. Yeah, they kind of... It, it's a longer one, I feel like. This one felt shorter. Although, I don't know if it's actually shorter. This one just felt shorter. Hello, Dolly has all the couples, too. All the different pairs mm -hmm. that kind of have their own little storylines. This is mostly just focused on, um, you know, George and Alan. My favorite part of music theater like this is when I don't have to care about what characters are who. 
<laughs> like when there's so when there's so few characters yeah. that I can't possibly get confused. <laughs> because there's so many shows where it's like, oh boy, they just introduced more characters. <laughs> Here I go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. yeah, falsettos it really messed with you. Oh, two more characters that weren't even in Act One. What? Yeah, no, that one I that one I got mad about. It's like, who are these people? Yeah. There's Arcana? a lot of like there's a lot of like little like fun little supporting characters. Like if if I'd be interested to see if Lacage could could ever be a high school show. I'm sure it has been done at some high school somewhere. But I think you'd have obviously it's like when you have when you do guys and dolls, you need a good boy ensemble. Um but in a completely different way. It would be interesting to see because I feel like there's so many fun little little parts, like all the Kajels and like um the butler and you know, the parents that don't have to necessarily be like the best singers in the world. They don't do this heavy lifting singing, but like could have some good one-liners and some good solo lines, but like I think because of like the subject matter, air quotes, it probably hasn't been done as much as it could be done. I'm just thinking uh, of schools. Ball I don't think schools would. Do no, this. not junior. Well, like there's. I mean, high schools do rent. High schools do uh, lay mis where people are dying all the time. Like to me, this is. Know it. I, I mean, violence. I mean, violence, violence and sexuality. Yeah. We know sexuality is way worse than violence. I know, and the thing violence. is, is that this show doesn't really deal with sexuality, like sex no, not at really. all. It's camp and drag and an old, comfortable with each other married couple. <laughs> like, but yeah, but the entire audience at these high school shows oh. is is the uh, oh, is the conservative parents at the end of the show. <laughs> I do want to say I think I the reason why they can get away with rent is because like the the main like gay character dies like one of the main gay characters dies and that kind of yeah. ha- it feels it's a it I don't know. <laughs> ties into the Reagan the ideology yeah. and that show is <laughs> horrible message for children. <laughs> I haven't seen Grace in so long. Is the message that like twenty eight year olds can still go to high school or no? It's a message of Jeremy Hansen, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) I had to see a high school production of Grease a few years ago because some former students of mine were in it. And it was a thing where I sat there and I was like, oh, God, uh, why do we all just collectively forget how dirty and inappropriate this show is? (laughs) It is called Grease, to be fair. What do you. Mm. Grease is dirty. We're covering Grease on this show. We're like, gonna do Grease next week. If you no, ever do, not. you should get Jeff because Jeff met the creator guy because he did Grease and he's got stories about what a piece of crap. Can we skip Grease and just just do Grease too? Yes, I'll bring Jeff oh, on yeah, for Grease yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere there is a full recording of my high school um, performance of Grease. We can we just review that instead? Are you in it? Are you in it? Who are you? I was Cha Cha. Oh, the best dancer at St. Bernadette's. Yes. I love it. Okay, so when you did it, were you sexy cha-cha or like like dorky cha-cha? I was sexy cha-cha. Okay, because when Jeff, Jeff did, we're going off on a tangent, folks. Happy Pride. But like, um, Jeff did, when (laughs) Jeff did it back in the day, it was before they kind of started reviving it a lot and kind of changing it to kind of match the movie more. So originally cha-cha was supposed to be kind of like, what we would call an uggo, I suppose. The, the whole thing was supposed to be like him being like, ew, I'm dancing with... Ch-. But then 
that that evolved. So good. You got to be sexy cha-cha. I love it. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Lacage. Okay, okay. Speaking <laughs> speaking of like recordings, um, since now we've got so if we make it to four hundred dollars on Patreon, um, we will do a commentary on both Breeze, um, Grease, and My Into oh, the Woods. Oh my god! We will do both of those things. You guys got to get us to four hundred dollars on Patreon. Four hundred dollars on Patreon. You can and review my fiddler on my my fiddler on the roof. It's on YouTube. Oh yeah, with Josh Groban. With Josh Groban. <laughs> Um, so, so did we all, um, did we all make connections to George Hearn being Sweeney Todd or being hot off that Sweeney going for like a completely different character? That guy's got range, man. The guy's incredible. And I I like the fact that he's got like this ungodly deep voice. Like they didn't try to camp him up in a way. I adore his, um, first song. The little more mascara. mascara. Yeah. I love it when he's like, everything sparkle beads and plumy plumes and magic. Blah. I love it. But it's so great because he starts kind of um, in in a more masculine place. And you almost feel him transition to Zaza. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets <laughs> like his vibrato gets a little wider and he gets a little more fabulous. And he's just so great. I love him so much. Incredible, incredible performance. Um, but I do remember like the weird kind of, no, we're not really gay interviews at the time where it's like, nope, we're heterosexual men. We're married. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm fine, sure they had to do it's that. Yeah. Kind of adorable older men. Like, nope, nope, nope. But nope. just we're performing. Yeah. I, <laughs> I found, I found one of the performances online of, um, Harvey Firestein doing, I am what I Incredible. am. And that's so great, man. He, it's. <laughs> It's crazy to think how Harvey Firestein has had this like musical theater career, um, obviously like writing musicals. He fixed Newsies and mm-hmm. um, also just performing in musicals and being really good at it. It's like Carol Channing. It's like, how did this person with this bizarre voice have this Broadway career? But like, I miss those days where you, people had when you just voices. have a presence so good that even if you're yeah. not hitting the notes every time you are hitting the back of the room perfectly yeah, yeah. like the yeah, theater it is not part. the most be- it's not the most beautiful I am what I am, but it is the most heartbreaking I am what I am. Yeah. I love I am what I am because every time I listen to it and he goes, um, he gets to go and open up your closets. I always want to finish it with everything's coming up rose. <laughs> I don't everything's know why. coming up rose. I don't know why. But it's that same vibe. It's that like middle-aged woman belting to the rafters diva moment but it's just you know a guy I I think that's one of the reasons why it hits so hard it's also just so kind of in that uh, a part of that drag camp world anyway um yeah and that's become a a basically um anthem for a lot of people in the LGBT community that song alone um, but you know what? I feel like we've talked a lot about what we think of this musical. It's time to compare our opinions to those of the theater critics when this show originally came out and uh, revivals. Um, it's time for previews. <laughs> it's time for previews. It's time for previews. The New York Times critic Frank Rich said of the original 1983 production, Lacage 
Oh, I can't say a it. Full. A full. A full. The bird cage. The cage the of bird birds. A <laughs> full is the first Broadway musical ever to center stage to a homosexual love affair. But don't go expecting an earthquake. The show at the palace is the schmaltziest, most old-fashioned major musical Broadway has ever seen since Annie, and it is likely to be just as popular with children of all ages. Were you hoping for a little more? I must confess that I was. The glitz, showmanship, good cheer, and almost unflagging tunefulness of Lacage are all highly enjoyable and welcome, but it is eagerness to please all comers. The musical is sometimes as shamelessly calculating as a candidate for public office. I think that's I think that's okay. actually pretty I think that's pretty spot on actually. I I think that's why he, I mean he's right. Like and 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 I'm sure there were plenty of people especially at a time, you know, the 1980s where there was starting to become more representation of gay characters on the stage, albeit more on the play side. Um I I'm sure there were a lot of critics uh and New York people in the know who were looking for something a little edgier. So that that makes total sense to me. And it's not. And the reason why it lasted so long was because it wasn't. And that's a different kind of side yeah. of the coin, I guess. I feel like at the time, an edgier show probably was not what a mainstream You was. couldn't release a strange no. loop right then. Um, no. Sorry. Well, and I mean, a strange loop, who knows? Who knows if it's going to even have kind of super mainstream appeal? Because to me, it's more kind of in that... Sunday or like um, Passing Strange or just those like kind of weirder shows that'll be more like appealing to people like us. But mm. uh, <laughs> but I, I really wonder. I, I It's such an amazing show. There um, is rumors of a Broadway run for a strange loop. Oh, there has um, to be. There has to be. It can't possibly be the only best musical to win a Pulitzer and not have a Broadway run. That would be crazy. It, it's, it, it was supposed to go, I think, before ye old COVID hit. Um, I, I think I would be the first in line. That show's amazing. Um, oh, but I love it. Previews for upcoming musicals in this month. Um, let's not dive too into that. <laughs> um, yes, yes, yes. I think we kind of talk about what the rest of Frank Bridges thing. Do you want to just skip to like Ben Brantley's next one? Okay, so New York Times, Ben Brantley said of the 2004 revival production, actually, even the most convention-bound theatergoers go- theater- theater won't need to fortify themselves with alcohol to remain shock-free through this alternatively garish and pallid production of Lacage, mm. um, which features a book by Harvey Firestein and is directed by Jerry Zaks. Lacage became a hit in 1983 after all as a cheerfully square, family-friendly entertainment in risque clothing. Uh, it was an old-fashioned celebration of an old-fashioned marriage, which, oh, with the added Philip that the partners both happened to be men and worked in a trans nightclub in St. Topez. Torpez. Uh, still, Lacage has the ingredients that tourists have traditionally expected from a big Broadway show delivered with helpful um, imp- Implicit labels, jokey lines that say laugh here, ballads that say missed up here, and rousing choral numbers like the best of times that say feel free to clap along with this one. In Lacage, every dancer emerges 
as a rye hardy individual from the whip cracking dominatrix to the Nicole Kidman lookalike whose specialty is just to stand there and look beautiful. Would that <laughs> the rest of the show uh, were that witty? Hmm. Yikes. I, I don't mean, know. I feel, uh, I feel like that's diminishing of Harvey Firestein's book, which is much more than just like sitcom giggles. I mean, it's there's some it's of that farce. In there, It's kind of the nature of the the medium. It's kind of supposed to be that. Um, but you know, if that's not your bag, I could definitely see it being tiring. I guess for some people, and especially what was this the two thousand four review? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't recall how that production was received. Or Not if there great. Was, maybe it just didn't look very good. Maybe it just wasn't well-directed. <laughs> I they don't did, know. Like Gary Beach, who I thought was actually absolutely wonderful in the role of Alban, um, they just really didn't like him. They were like, he's just playing the producers again. And he was hot off the producers. Well, I mean... Yeah, but that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of what he does. Like, he, they, he, that's kind of his thing. I mean, even his Lumiere was kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, same with his uh, Tenardi. But when it came to the 2010 production, Ben Brantley is like, you know what? Kelsey Grammer. That's what we needed. That's <laughs> that's the recipe this show needed. It's basically his review. Yo, I saw Kelsey Grammer play Sweeney Todd in the 90s, yeah. and he was like notoriously he didn't know any of his lines and he had his like words on like cue cards in the pit like, <sighs> that's kind of what he feels like to me doing that part I, I you know the best comparison in that performance is um do you remember when Anne Hathaway and James Franco performed um at the Oscars hosted yeah. together yeah that's Christine Baranski and Kelsey Grammer up there someone trying their best and someone not trying at all exactly I mean, the reviews, they're pretty intense negative, strangely enough. Like, I'm surprised at how negative this was, considering how much this was embraced by, like, the public and the tone. From the original production, you mean? From all of them. Like, the revivals were always negative until Kelsey Grammer got their, his hands in it. Were there, are the reviews negative because they're, like, you gay couple, or is it like, this is toothless? It's just toothless. Like, it's definitely not like you gay couples. It's just like, oh, come on. We could do better than this. What <clears throat> Broadway. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty... They don't good. like the cheese. I think that's very interesting, though, because because um, it does show that, you know, this, again, New York theater community, a lot of the reviewers, you know, a lot of gay men making these shows. And then uh, it's interesting to kind of perpetually kind of want more from this show when it's kind of like... It is what it is. It had to be what it is, I feel like, in order to be that step to get to maybe a, a more inclusive place that, you know, we're still obviously fighting for. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's why so many LGBTQ people who were around in the 90s, you know, who are maybe a little more closer to my age or older, you know, have such a fierce connection to rent. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you, so it, it's that kind of building block thing to me. I don't know. I feel like it's so harmless. I feel like um, it's not hurting anything. It's not doing anything to set gay people back, in not my opinion. Um, uh, to me, the, the, the um, um, what's the word? Like the way of getting the message across is what makes it uh, universal and makes it 
uh, as like a foot in the door for for like the normies yeah. who might, especially at the time, who might be like, "Ew, gay people," you know. Um, and which is less of a problem every year, <laughs> knock on wood. So it 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 definitely can seem a little quaint. Um, yeah. I do want to say that this age is shit even better than most stuff in the early 2000s, despite being like nearly 40 years ago. That is true. And I think, again, it's because it's it's um, telling a certain story. It helps that it's, again, in a drag club where yeah. these men have an excuse to kind of be this flamboyant and to be like putting on a show. Um, so I think yeah. that does help. And um, almost the lack of being super specific about... Um, I don't know, th their relationship, you know, they're in love, they fell in love, they, they, they talk, they reminisce and they talk about their relationship, of course. But like, because it's kind of universal across any couples, I think that's what makes it so that so many people can, um, uh, are drawn to it. Just a really fun show. Yeah. I don't know why people are, or at least not people, but critics are <laughs> well, seems, dragging on a little bit, yeah. but I don't know. It seems like it's kind of more snooty people being like, we need something edgier. And it's like, ah. <laughs> you don't always need something. Angry. You don't. And obviously it was a big old hit. Like th there are plenty of musicals that the critics don't love that are beloved by audiences. And, you know, nope. this show has had so many revivals and so many productions. And it's a great regional mm -hmm. theater show and a good community theater show. Like you could do it in a lot of places if you have a good costume budget. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's just fun. What's, what's wrong with fun? There's nothing wrong with fun. Lots and the songs are good. They're good. You know, they're not dour. They're not um, preachy. Uh, they're all triumphant and fun. And yeah, like the, the biggest message song is is kind of is a perfect act one finale um, that the audience, you know, you stand up and applaud at the end of. And it leaves you wondering what's going to happen next, which I think is what you want from an act one finale. Speaking of wondering what's going to happen next, how about we go into a mid-show and leave people wondering what's going to happen next? Oh! All right. <laughs> wow. Transition expert. Throw off uh, the wig. Ah! All right. We'll be back in a bit. Enjoy these commercials. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a sh-sh-sh-sh-shoo at you. Andrew, tell us about Patreon. Patreon is where you can go if you'd like to, you know, donate a little bit to us and help us out and get some extra content while you're at it. You know, you can see us on video right now. We got um, 
extra podcasts. We get commentaries, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, so many school stuff. Um, our current patrons are Terry Needleman, John Donna, Leighton Ackles, Danielle Renix, Justice Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Taskier, Fire September, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, B-Way Flicks, Lathaniel Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Carrie Ahern, Mary Lou Choquette, John Finales, Heck You, I Go By Elijah Now, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Andrew Van Barson, Tablan, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Christina Francis, Scootin, The Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Steller, Nothing Is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, John Vanals, Thesbian, Ren Colin, Wait in the Wings, Spectacle Machine, Jacob Stroop, Rafael Martinez Salaz, Robert Benjamin, Rachel T, Jessica T, Genevieve Hartnett, Cass, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Hayden Wilder, Katie McDonough, Stackus, Timothy Keys, Jeffrey Machado, Jacques. Tim Van Essen, Jesse Taylor, R. Elliott, Chris Marcotte, Alexandria Singh, Mimu, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Trevor Lopez, and Sierra Moncrief. They give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks, such as page-only commentaries, our episodes today early, video episodes, where you can see Emily Clark's face right now, and she's, like, doing backflips, she's dancing, oh my god, look at that, Emily. What is she doing? I can see right on the tip of your lips. I can see it right now that you want to tell them to join our Patreon. I can just see it. Join the Patreon. I got her to say it. I got her to do it. Free advertising. Thank you. Um. All right, guys. Let's get on back to the show. The best part is they still have more ads to listen to. <laughs> when life is a real bitch again and my old sense of humor has up and gone it's time for the big switch again i put a little more mascara on when i count my crow's feet again and tire of this perpetual marathon I put down the John seat again and put a little more mascara on let's talk about um Albans I want song um mascara or a little more mascara which is incredible and also frames Alban as the the central character, the main character here. Definitely. Um, I, I love that moment. Um, I love him, you know, in front of his vanity. Um, it's, yeah, it, I mean, it's like Dolly coming out and doing, I put my hand in. It's like, here's, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's, uh, where I stay. You know, exactly, um, who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, by by that song and um you know me my my uh you know gonna be 40 in a few years ass can really relate to a lot of this song this whole like i suck it in i put some makeup on and then like hey i can take on the world so i think that's a pretty fun relatable feeling i like the build the song has as well yeah it's i think it's really good and visually, the build too, like the transformation yes, on stage, yes. and the ima- I'm just imagining like if you get one of those things wrong, like in the setup of yourself, you're just kind of fucked for the rest of the song, and like that that is a physical transformation, um, and it's incredible. Yeah, I I I really love that song. 
Um, oh, yeah. I, I can't think of another I Want song that really functions in this same way. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's an I Want song because, I mean, I guess it's just it, it's more like this is what I this is what I do. This is the this is the, the I am. Song. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not quite. I am what I am. But like because um, it's him, it's him just being like, this is my routine uh, to this is how I get into this look that you see me and have and then you kind of just know who the character is yeah you know through that through that moment and through that song um yeah it, there it, doesn't really need to be an i want song because none of the characters necessarily want anything except for the son i guess who wants them to pretend to be something they aren't um, i think it's different too sometimes when your characters are um middle-aged or you know kind of at less of like yeah. an ingenue place um because they're very um they're very happy with their lives they're very settled in their lives and the sh shenanigans come from you know trying to accommodate their kid um mm -hmm. and uh yeah i was just thinking the sun the sun kind of has an i want song a lot of their stuff is like this is who we are this is um or, or looking back or, you know, reminiscent type songs. Like even the best of times is now a lot of um, like wistful and nostalgic kind of tunes almost, which I like yeah. a lot. Um, I guess we should talk about with Anne Arm on my arm next then. Um, and also the with you on my arm, like much cuter <laughs> reprise right afterwards. Yeah. Who else? Can make me feel like I'm handsome and tall Who else can make me feel I'm on top of it all I found a combination that works like a charm I'm simply a man who walks on the stars Whenever it's out on my arm Both of those songs are just like that old school kind of musical theater where it really yeah. is like hitting you over the head with like kind of the same thing over and over again. Um, but then it makes it, I think, a little more triumphant when you see um, Georges and Alban do With You On My Arm and, you know, they're dancing and they're... But I, the thing laugh. about... I, the, here's more what I bothers me a little bit about this musical. Um Everything that Jean-Michel um, describes Anne as is very superficial. She makes me feel handsome and tall and that I'm charming and all that. Whereas that means nothing to people that just met each other. Um, and if you're younger, it kind of, maybe it means something to a lot of folks. When that's younger, that means a lot less than when you're a little older, been with each other 20 years, and that's still true. Yeah. So that immediate juxtaposition is super like heartstring pulling. Yeah, and I, I think there's a difference when you are, you know, in your early 20s and a lot of the, again, it's an old musical trope. Like, mm -hmm. I've met this girl and I've fallen in love and we're going to get married, you know, 
parents be damned. And I, I think that is a relatable thing um, as the as the leads of a musical. And it is fun to get it from kind of the parents' perspective mm-hmm. of being like, okay, well, you're going to do this thing, so let's figure out how we make this happen um, because we're supportive. And I think that's kind of an interesting take. As for people who are not parents, and I don't think any of us really intends to be anytime soon, um, <laughs> what would would we rearrange our entire lives for kids that we don't intend to have? I, I can't imagine myself doing that. I'd be like, no, you little shit. <laughs> don't bring them then. No, I, I, I well, there, I, I could say, my mom mentioned that I saw her on Memorial Day and she kind of made some passing comment about it. I, I know that my mom would go through any fucking shenanigans I wanted. If, if I was like, this really means something to me, I, I know in a heartbeat, she would do it even if she didn't understand it. Um, so I think, I think it's actually pretty relatable. I think there's, I think it's kind of more common than one would think. And, um, you know, we, I think we would hope that most of our parents or parents in the world in general, <laughs> hopefully, would be supportive of their kids' nonsense, even if they know their kids' nonsense might be a passing phase or just, like, not... You know, he's think, just got a girly, like, since, like, one night trying to convince these people, you know. It, 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 the stakes aren't so high in this show, which, again, I, I think I think what's helps. a little bit makes him the bad guy, the, the son, is that he wants his mom, who has never really interacted with him at all, to come. Yeah. And yeah. his other father to just pretend he doesn't exist, essentially, which that's like okay, that's a yeah. little bit far, don't you think? <laughs> it's a harsh lesson, and you know, it makes me kind of wonder because, like, we're talking about a, a musical, sorry, a movie that's from the '70s and a play that's from the '70s and a musical in the 1980s. How non-existent same-sex parent representation was mm-hmm. in media. So I almost kind of. Look, we wouldn't have conflict if the son didn't do this stuff and then he learns his lesson at the end. Um, However, I think it is really interesting because, like, how how is he supposed to act? Like, how is this? This isn't obviously this isn't right that he does this, but it's like he's kind of like, what other option do I have? Um, And the other option is, like, don't do it. But. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting kind of thought experiment. Like, what do kids from this era who have same-sex parents, like, how much are they... How how much do you even talk about it at all? Um, I think is kind of an interesting thought thing. Because, like, I knew... I definitely knew kids growing up who had same-sex parents, but it was a thing that we didn't really, like... Definitely not a thing, like, that my parents talked to me about until I got older. I just thought, oh, I see you know, my friend's mom and my, my friend's mm-hmm. mom's best friend. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a good, um, I guess, template for kids who might be of same-sex parents to teach them what the lesson yeah. is, like what the right thing to do is. There is a scene in the birdcage that I wish was in Lacage um, because it is probably one of Robin Williams' best delivered lines I've ever seen. Where it's like, I I had to spend t- like 10 years of my life trying to figure out who the, who I was. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back pretending that I'm not this person. Fuck your Fuck your the senator. Parents. I don't give a damn what he thinks. Yeah, exactly. I want that moment so badly for George's or Alban to have in this movie. I just really want someone to be like, you know what? Fuck you, kid. <laughs> just uh, even for a brief moment. It's like, yeah. it took me a while to figure myself out and you're going to throw me back in. Well, I think the 
that's kind of what the end of I Am What I Am is, because I think yeah. it was that confrontation with him right before that. And then that song, that other song, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Look Over There. That's what that song is. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's Georges being like, no one has loved you like this, you know, like this person exactly. has loved you like a parent. And uh, I think that's an, and then it's very sweet when he reprises and kind of apologizes. So yeah, I yeah. think, I, I think it's more like, um, I don't know, like a morality tale almost in that sense, or it's giving you a good archetype to teach you a lesson because then kids of gay parents can watch it with their gay parents or kids of any parents really can watch it and go, that's not right that the son's doing this. And then, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Incredible! All right, we still have songs to talk about. We, we, I don't know how we went down this. Ra- I, I'm not against. It. I love rabbit hole so much. Um, let's talk about song in the sink. I believe it was early September. Through the crash of the waves, I could tell that the words were romantic. Something about sharing. Something about always Though the years race along I still think of our song on the sand And I still try and search for the words I can barely remember That I am forever certain of I hear Oh, that's such a beautiful song. Like, it's the first, like... Um, same-sex um, romance song that I think ever hit Broadway. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it's the first one I can think it's of. It's the first explicitly one. <laughs> That's for sure. There's a, a few interpretive <laughs> ones. Yeah, it's not like exactly Bosom Buddies, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, it's sweet because I... I don't know, I love those kind of... Um, middle-aged couple, like, reminiscing about this time that we had and... Actually, I think anyone does it where you don't remember exactly the specifics, but you remember like the feeling of it. Again, another kind of universal thing that I think kind of uh, highlights kind of the romance that they still have between them. And also the harmonies. The harmonies. Mm-hmm. So gorgeous. Um, probably like one of the chillest songs um, in a very bombastic musical where they kind of take a moment to like, eh, let's just talk. Let's reminisce for a moment. Yeah. Good to have that, though. Um, yeah, then you have the anthem song, I Am What I Am, where everyone knows this. Even if you've never seen the show, you know what this song is. You've heard it a thousand times in ten different things. I'm sure Andrew's even heard it a couple of times before this. Probably. My world that I want to have a little pride in. My world, and it's not a place I have to hide in. Life's not worth a damn Till you can say Hey world, I am what I am I am what I am I don't want praise 
feather and its spangle. Why not try to see things from a different angle? Your life is a sham till you can shout out loud. I am what I am. It is pretty great how the opening number is We Are What We Are, and it's kind of setting up kind of a little parallel, a kind of winky cutesy parallel. Um, to, it's kind of like presenting it to you like, Psst, guess what we are? <laughs> and then at the end of the act, it's like, no, I'm out here and I'm screaming it, you know, to the balcony. Um, and I think that's a pretty cool, um, again, it's kind of subtle way through character growth, not preaching, um, to kind of get an important message across. Yeah. And it's probably one of the top 10 best act one finales ever. <laughs> Yo, I love a good act one finale. And this is definitely one of the most powerful. And again, like in an era of the AIDS epidemic where the Broadway community was just being completely just losing people left and right to have that kind of moment, that kind of catharsis, I think is really important. And I think yeah. that wraps us up. What else can we end on but I am what I am, which is a great message for this entire show. Um, oh, wait, but what about the song Masculinity? Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> you, I love that song, but it's a farce. It's a goofy goober song. Again, that is literally a scene There's from The so Birdcage where songs. he's like having like uh, where like Nathan Lane is walking with the sandwich and... <laughs> Sorry, Nathan Lane in that movie is so good. Um, yes, I, <laughs> he's amazing. In that movie. But I also was thinking about how their little cocktail song, again, just kind of, it's that great partner song thing where every character has a little theme, very, very tradition from Fiddler. Every character has a little song, yeah. and then it builds so that they're all singing it at the same time. Just a good standard classic um, kind of trope that works really well. 100 percent I, I mean, just to bring that up. <laughs> masculinity is so much fun. It's a goofy goob song. Um, I want masculine toast and masculine butter. I need to walk like John Wayne. It's but, so uh, yeah. funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty I am great. walking like John Wayne, but if he was a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's perfect. I just never realized John Wayne walked like that. Um <laughs> I was <laughs> I was reading online that um Jerry Herman pretty much quit writing um or actually I was reading one of my books about it. Uh, he kind of quit writing new musicals after this because he was sick of everyone constantly trying to like compare him to Sondheim, which seems weird to me. But the thing is, did Sondheim ever comment on that side of it? I feel like Sondheim never comments on any other composer, to be honest, negative or positive. Well, so, um, oh God, I read something and I can't remember exactly what it was. It was, I was reading something a few years ago and I remember, it might have been the Fosse biography or I like kind of underlined it. And it was Sondheim being extremely casually bitchy about Bob Fosse. He was like, I don't know. He saw Follies and then he was like, oh, I want to do that. And then he wrote this show. And I was like, what? But I don't think Sondheim ever commented on Jerry Herman because they're I think they came up at the same time, obviously. And, and again, this is the year where they kind of went head to head and Jerry Herman yeah. gave that Tony Awards acceptance speech where he's like the good old there's been a rumor for a long time that the good old fashioned musical style is out of fashion well this is to tell you that it's still here and it's a like a good old hummable song can get you through a night I know I was like mm, I see that shade I see a little bit of that shade it's okay cut the song time in the audience biting his lip 
I know. <laughs> well, but it's so funny because he kind of c- kept comparing himself to him. And then he kind of said uh, after Lacage, which was the ultimate of them being compared because of the same show of shows going up the same season, he kind of was like, I'm done with this. And he didn't really write any new shows like ever. But, mm-hmm. but he's I a mean, legend, that Jerry Herman. But Sondheim is kind of bitchy. He's kind of bitchy. But the, uh, we talked with Haley St. James last week briefly about whether or not Sondheim and Bill Finn have ever sat down and had a conversation or commented on each other's work. And I don't think they ever have. No, I think, look, uh, Jerry Herman was one of the few musical theater composers who was actually pretty open about being gay. Um, Yeah. He had a partner, you know, he was always kind of out and proud about it. And then you think of like so many men in in musical theater history who um, were gay, who kind of couldn't be. You know, Lorenz Hart drank himself to death because he couldn't be out. Um, And uh, Sondheim has always, everyone knows Sondheim is gay, but his private life has always been an incredible enigma. I've only heard rumors over the years. Um, He's dating a lot of men much younger than him. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard a lot about his sex dungeon, but that's it. Um, I hear he has an average sized penis that doesn't get erect very easily from like some like book. Um, someone had sex with Sondheim and wrote about it in a book. That's insane. <laughs> very strange. But that's the thing. It's like Jerry Herman has always been kind of like very out there. He's like very much like the chatty Kathy, the very much okay with the schmoozing um, and the Broadway of it all. Whereas Sondheim, you know, he's the more um, introspective and you know mysterious and definitely like hold his cards close to the vest type guy um so and their sound is completely night and day like they're just completely different songwriters so it it is interesting kind of to compare them just because they came up at the same time even though there's not really i mean i guess they both write middle-aged women really well (laughs) and they both worked with arthur lawrence and all that they both worked with arthur lawrence for sure but speaking of move, <laughs> different styles, um, we gotta wrap this up. I didn't have a transition oh ready. You had nothing. <laughs> what is our you had nothing. Thoughts on Lakasha full and our cheese rating, Emily. You're up. How first. high can I rate it? As high a cheese as you want. Oh, okay. I mean, it's definitely like a, a if it were on a scale of you know one to ten, it's definitely a ten in the cheese factor. But it's it's like the best kind of musical cheese. It it it's it's campy, it's fun, it's breezy. It's actually a really good family show in a lot of ways. Like really, every you can go with your whole family, every single member of your family, and someone will get something out of it. And those are important to have. Um, and it's a great kind of mainstream gateway musical for people who maybe don't know much about the LGBTQ community. This is a really mainstreamy, easy to swallow kind of way to (laughs) help them know that that our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and non-binaries are people. (laughs) So it's a great musical. I love Lakash. Ten ten cheeses, but, but delicious cheese. Like just freaking great cheese what's your favorite cheese what's my favorite cheese like in yeah. it oh no just add just your favorite cheese at oh all. just my favorite cheese <laughs> i like a good sharp cheddar hell yeah that's a good one <laughs> all right andrew you're up next your overall thoughts and cheese rating uh i had a lot of fun with this show it's a very very easy watch uh 
Very fun. Good dancing. I don't know. I had a good time with it. Um, and I'm sure that you will as well if you check it out. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's good. There's no reason not to check it out. I want to give it a, a camembert, which is a French cheese, and it's mm. milky, like milky thin. Camembert, <laughs> because gay. <laughs> Uh, Brie, what did you think of our discussion and your rating of that? Fantastic. I am so happy that we had Emily on the show finally. I don't think she's been on since Not since I, I Not since you started. Yeah, so I am so it's happy been a while. we finally got to have her on. It was, It sounds like a very fun show. I'm, I want to go watch it now because <laughs> of this discussion. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a French cheese, kind of like... Andrew, and I'm going to give it a Brie de Mont, mm. which is just a, a cheese that I could pronounce. And your Very name's nice. Brie. And, Brie, and my yeah. name is Brie. <laughs> sounds really good. Um, I, I think this is like the perfect kind of cheese. This is like uh, so much fun. So, so I enjoyed it. I had a smile on my face the entire time. I'm not going to think about it a ton after it's done, not going to lie. Aside from like, oh, there's some great performances by XYZ actor. I'm like, oh, that moment made me feel a little wistful and happy, but I'm not going to be like, oh my god, I need to rewatch La Cage. <laughs> um, so with that, there's only one cheese rating I can give it, and that is cheese on toast. Because you got to pretend it's masculine toast <laughs> and masculine vodka. <laughs> and on that note, Emily... Thank you so much for joining us. You are one of the most wonderful people I've ever gotten a chance to meet. Oh I am God. so lucky I know you. I love you so much. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you for having me on again. It's so much fun. I love popping on and <laughs> talking about musicals and stuff with you. Yes, you are so smart. You are a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of humor and kindness. I can't wait to have you on again. Please promote all of your stuff that you have because you've got a ton. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, I am, <clears throat> excuse me, I am Emily A.B. Clark on Twitter and Instagram and uh, TikTok and uh, <laughs> trying it. And uh, you can find my uh, show Stealing Focus on YouTube. Um, I talk about musical theater, <laughs> just like these guys. Um, focusing. But better. <laughs> no, I'm focusing on like reviews and history lessons, and I'm going to grad school for musical theater history right now, um, so I'm going to get even better at it, I promise. And um, you can find me also on Patreon uh, at Stealing Focus, and uh, yeah, come find me. Mm -hmm. And do you have any other podcasts that you happen to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know a few. So uh, <laughs> I'm also on the Dear Friends podcast with Jess. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we take advice uh, from listeners and kind of give musical theater suggestions as well uh, with our advice and stories. And it's a lot of fun. So you should check out Dear Friends for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you guys are going to go check out Stealing Focus, you guys have to watch the Broadway during the Blacklist video. It is like one of my favorite pieces Yay. of musical theater content released in the last like five years. It uh. is an incredible video essay. I want more video essays to be made like this, to be honest. I, I, um, I, that's my goal. I'm turning a lot of my, I'm going to turn my big research paper into a video or two. So that's going to be my, my project now that summer is coming and, you know, school is done and I can actually like 
do that stuff. So let me just gush for a little bit longer because oh, um, I'm sick of like white guy narrates over a video and just like and then this happened and oh and then we, where you have this energy, this stylization, this <laughs> full actor acted out segments. My God, it is better than most videos out there. You are oh, doing God. the Lord's work, Emily, and Thank I can't you. wait to see more. Thank you. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt when you have a puppet best friend to play Arthur Miller. So. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stuff. And you. you know what else is wonderful, Andrew? What's that? Our patrons. Thank you guys for watching. <laughs> Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Musicals with Cheese. Leave us a review. We haven't gotten a review this month. Please. We, we want more reviews. Um, follow Come us on, on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. We're on Patreon Musicals with Cheese, Instagram Musicals with Cheese, YouTube page Musicals with Cheese, Patreon-only podcast is Patreon with Cheese. We do stuff there. Um, our email is musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card is created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Go send her some love at Jolene Casco. Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. We love you so much, Juliet. Um, put some emojis by our cheese ratings this week. They're fun. Um, this show <laughs> is produced by the wonderful, one of my greatest friends of all time. I love her to death, Brianna Jones. Thank you for doing this every week, Bri. We love you so much. Um, thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for cyberbullying Ben Platt. Um, is there anything else we want to say before we wrap this up? <laughs> Uh, I challenge Meatloaf to a dance-off. <laughs> He'd win. He probably would. I don't think at this age anymore. What an asshole. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the fucking wackiest things that's I ever know, happened, it's right? It's the best. It's so funny. I, I had a lot of fun with Meatloaf. Me and Meatloaf are friends now. Hoppatootie, no, bless my soul. Am I right? We made up. We made out. It's all good. <laughs> In fact, you should all DM him and just bring up Andrew. Yeah, do don't, it right don't, now. Don't do that. Don't, don't please don't do that. I don't care if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they kick him off Facebook? As well, they no, should. he's still on there. Uh-huh. He made a post about the 1619 project or something recently. So. I'm sure it was positive and well thought out. He said it was a book. <laughs> 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 and that's all the political insight that we all know Meatloaf has. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. I am what I am, and what I am needs no excuses. I deal my own hand, sometimes the ace, sometimes the deuces. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.